Podicumens, and welcome to another episode of the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we are joined by your very best friends and the last place finishers in the 2004 Olympic decathlon, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. Alan and Jim, I know y'all didn't want to bring that up because that was no, heartbreaking. I mean, honestly, I was almost <laughs> disqualified for various things. So. Oh, I. It must have been last. <laughs> I must have been last place because I don't remember ever uh, yeah. being in it. So, well, you you blocked that from your yeah. memory, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we're also joined by a very special guest, Doctor Scott Kisker. Uh, let me try that again here, Scott. Doctor Scott Kisker of United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> All um, the Kisker stuff that you said at the beginning. I thought that was a tongue twister and you couldn't get Kisker. I know, right? I just didn't come out. Oh, we got a ringer on It's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. I like it. <laughs> He's coming at me now. He's coming at me, y'all. Uh, Dr. S uh, Scott Kisker uh, is joining us, uh, like I said, from United. Um, he's a church historian, and we're excited to have you with us, uh, Scott. I am going to uh, now tell everybody um, why we invited you, like what, who you are. Scott Kisker is an elder in the Iowa Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, and he has served as senior pastor of Colesburg United Methodist Church in Colesburg, Iowa. Uh, prior to coming to United as professor of church history and associate dean for their master's program, he was professor of history of Christianity at Wesley Theological Seminary and director of the course of study program for the Northeast jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. Dr. Kisker also has served as director of the Charles Wesley Heritage Center in Bristol in the United Kingdom and as associate pastor for the American Protestant Church in Bonn, Germany. His education includes a BA from Swarthmore, Swarthmore did I say that right? Uh, well, whatever, it's good enough. College, <laughs> an MDiv from Duke Divinity School and a PhD from Drew University. Scott's publications include The Band Meeting, Rediscovering Relational Discipleship in Transformational Community, which he co-authored with Kevin Watson, Longing for Spring, A New Vision for Wesleyan Community, which he co-authored with Elaine Heath, Mainliner Methodist, Recovering Our Evangel Evangelistic Mission, and Foundation for Revival, um, Anthony Hornick and Religious Societies and the Rise of Anglican Pietism. Dr. Kisker is also one of the hosts, co-hosts of the podcast, Plain Truth, a Holy Spirited podcast, which is one of my favorite, let me just say that. And I'm not just saying that because you're here, Scott, it's actually quite, quite fun. I'll and I want to get... He's actually said it before, so. <laughs> yes. And when, when David was on, I presume. Oh. <laughs> you're not getting away with anything today, Matt. No, I'm not. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So um, uh, his academic interests include pietist and Wesleyan Methodist history and theology, Wesleyan discipleship and small group for Information evangelism and evangelism. Scott is married to Roberto Willison Kisker. They have five children, Maria, Susanna, Isaac, Tabitha, and Naomi. Scott, it's great to have you on the program today. I can add one more thing, which I realize is obviously that, you know, came probably off United's website, I'm guessing. But I'm also currently pastoring, very part-time, a small rural congregation oh, here right. in Ohio called McKendry Chapel. So I want to give a shout out to all All right. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, we're so glad to have you, and you're perfect for this episode as we talk about sanctification. Now, and perfection, presumably. Uh, yes. <laughs> for all of you linguistic nuts, there's many layers of pun in that comment. <laughs> um, uh, last episode, we talked about justification and regeneration, um, this relative and real change that takes 
part in a person's life when they come to faith in Christ. Um, we also alluded to the topic we're talking about today with sanctification, how salvation doesn't end at our altar experience, at our conversion experience, whatever that experience is, whatever that moment is, that salvation also carries on. We are being saved as um, as uh, was put earlier in the last episode. So I would implore you, if you haven't heard the last episode on justification, go back and listen to it because I think these two go hand in hand with each other. Um, and so uh, the question, the question we're dealing with today um, is question 35 from John Wesley's um, from John Wesley's revision of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the question is very simple. Just like last week's, it was, what is justification? This week is question 35. What is sanctification? Do you want to know what sanctification is? I would like I to think know I would what like sanctification is. Yes, I wish please. I'd looked it up. <laughs> I have the answer. Oh, please, come on, Alan, bring it on. <laughs> Here it is. Hold on, hold your breath. Uh, sanctification is the work of God's free grace by which we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled, not more and more, uh, that's what's in the, was in the catechism, and then Wesley got his little red pen and uh, scratched that out, and are enabled to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Yes. Awesome. Again, this is one of those revisions in the Shorter Catechism. And again, I'm always, I don't know, it, it always just continues to strike me that Wesley would just be so bold as to say, nope, I don't, that's not part of this. <laughs> um, especially in document that had such uh, grounding within the Anglican tradition during his day. Um, so we'll talk more in, in just a minute about why he would scratch out that more and more. So what, compelling. I'll tell you, this is a good point, y'all, to remember um, that the catechism is a document from a different century. And so you will be hearing uh, colloquial use of gendered language, and that is okay because we're reading in history. Yes, absolutely. Very much so. Um, and Thank so, you, Jim. Hey, I just, I hadn't said much yet. I'm, 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 afra I'm afraid I'm out today. Oh, well, we'll see. Um, uh, we'll see what how you do. Well, with Scott's the bio was a little long. <laughs> oh. Um, I got bored myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, uh, if you are bored, we can find you another part-time congregation. I think that's there's no such thing. God bless you for serving the people of God. Yeah, part-time, part-time pay, not part-time uh, time. <laughs> we won't, we won't comment too much on that because we know yeah. they're all listening. We've all done that. We love you. <laughs> tonight we have our archery ministry going on so i'm Whoa, excited nice. just like go shoot some arrows that's fantastic nice. oh. I mean, I think about we... hitting the mark i was just about to say it's all about it's all about so there's a little we have a little archery training and we have a little devotional time and nice nice wow nice. that that yeah. is just on target <laughs> Uh, is it, this is me, more. Scott. This is me. This pun, that pun really hit the bullseye. So. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. And yeah. the horse I had is to dead. Kill and there, there we go. <laughs> all right. And Scott has left. I don't know what's going on. Anyway. So, um, all right. Let's get into the scripture proofs. As y'all remember, uh, the catechism has scripture proofs for uh, the points that it is making. And 2 Thessalonians 2.13 goes to Alan Kaysen. Uh, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to uh, mispronounce uh, Thessalonians. Um, second 
Thessalonians <laughs> two thirteen. It's like you read it all the time, but how many? How often do you have to actually say it? So, right. anyways, Brett, uh, you're rubbing you're you're rubbing off on yes. Alan. <laughs> I'm just a, now. I'm afraid of what Scott's going to say. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, right. he's a historian, not a biblical yes. scholar. So, um, I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. What? what? Okay. Um, t- Second or two Thessalonians uh, two thirteen, um, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. And so um, we we get into the sanctif- sanctifying work of the Spirit again. I think sometimes the Catechism. Um, what did we talk about last time? Um, just sort of uh, proof text. Proof text. It just looks for the word and and yeah. Uh, it's like it's going through a topical com a topical. What do they call those things? Uh, uh, like a oh my goodness, what was that? Maybe thing like called? a concordance or yeah, something right. of yes. that nature yes. or the Googles. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I just want to say um, that when we talk about God's grace, the sanctifying sanctification is the work of God's free grace, is what our answer says. Um, and so we talked about justifica- justification last week and justifying. Um, we're talking about all of the same grace. Um, we sort of like to, you know, uh, partition right. it all off into different segments, but this is all God's grace um, working in different ways throughout our salvation experience. And so um, this is Paul talking uh, to the church in Thessalonica um, and uh, talking about how. Um, He's always thanking God for them, um, thanking for their for their salvation through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So, yeah, and the one thing that's worth noting, if you look at the wider context, which I just love when when we can look at books as a whole, the opening is Paul and Silas and Timothy talking to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about people who are a part of the church, and then when you get down to this verse, he's talking about because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. So what that, that word saved a verb is not, it's not a past tense. He chose you uh, for salvation and you're done, but to be saved, it's got an ongoing, almost perfect tense to it. Um, And, and so that just kind of rings through to the ongoing work of salvation and our hope and how it's all through the biblical narrative, especially in the writings of Paul. Right. Awesome. That's, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so let's continue in some writings of Paul. Yeah. And go to Ephesians with uh, Jim Morrow. All right. So uh, we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter four, um, and I'll pick up in uh, verse 22, just for a little context, because the verse break is in the middle of a sentence. Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the aptitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And there's the idea here that we have a newness, which is to be put on that there is um, a new attitude of our minds that we are to take off our old self and put on a new self. And that the characteristics of that, involved that 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 is created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness and that reminds me of uh when you hear in the scriptures be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect 
Um, it's the idea that we are participating in something that God created for us, which is true righteousness and holiness after the character of God. You know, what's interesting is we look at the Thessalonians passage in a moment, we're going to look at something from Romans, but all throughout the text, you, you can go to Matthew uh, 7, you can go to different passages where it's these, this idea of a, a complete change within us, not just a partial change. I think last week when we were talking about justification, we talked about a, the difference between a relative change and a real change um, that Wesley would bring up in his sermon um, on uh, uh, this. Uh, um, oh my goodness. What was the name of that sermon? First edit in the episode. <laughs> Maybe second. Um, the, uh, you know, his famous sermon, the, oh my goodness gracious. The almost just, Christian? No, the uh, scripture. The salvation. What the now? Script. Scripture way of salvation. That's it. The scripture way of salvation. The scripture way of salvation. Thank you, Scott. You know what? I'm going to leave that faux pas in there just to show that Scott was able to bring me back to where I needed to be. And that I actually have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about that, Scott, if you had any, any thoughts, because um, we're talking about, we've used the word sanctification from Thessalonians and here talking about what the nature of this new self is. And just, I, I didn't want to go too far without giving you a chance to speak into that if you wanted well, to. Well, the, yeah. the only thing that I thought of while you guys were talking about that is this, that, that the, 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 the Greek has this sense of, as, as you sort of indicated, um, uh, because uh, God chose you first fruit toward salvation, which is, you know, we often think about, because we, especially y'all, all y'all in the South, think mm -hmm. about, you know, you live in a kind of uh, Baptist context often where, mm -hmm. you know, I'm saved, right? Um, where what we're talking, I mean, here, at least in this passage, salvation is a thing of which we have tasted, so to speak, but but it is something we are actually moving toward um, in our lives. And, and, you know, Wesley talks about the distinction between being saved from wrath, which we know at the moment of, of regeneration, where God's spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God, and being saved from sin, which is what we're talking about today, right. where we, mm. we not only have the the ability to to yield to God instead of yield to our sinful natures, but we actually do it. Oddly, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's that's the sort of true salvation that that right. actually Methodists, Wesleyans, whatever, have always sort of held out as as the goal of of what salvation is for, right? Well, because it would seem in a reading of scripture, that's, there's a completeness to this, right? Like uh, growing up in a, maybe in a situation where you were once saved, always saved, or you really were just focusing on that altar moment or whatever it is. Um, but, or you were using the comment, um, you know, around here, uh, one thing I would always hear growing up uh, would be, um, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Right. And it almost becomes an excuse thing. Well, I'm not Jesus, you know. Well, I, I'm not perfect, like you know, whatever it is. And yet, when you read the text, "Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy." Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. These these comments here in these texts that Paul are, Paul is is getting to this idea of a, a completion, right? Like a there is a sense where we're not excuses don't matter. Like we shouldn't be making excuses. Well, and that Ephesians passage you guys just read, which I know is in the is in the you know, catechism as well. But I mean, you put on your new nature created after the likeness of God, who is, of course, Jesus, right? right. So 
So we're when you say I'm 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 forgiven, I'm not Jesus, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you're that's the goal actually is for <laughs> you to that you've been you've been you have this privilege of a new creation that is yours to put on. Right. Uh, and if you're not putting it on, then then Methodists would, you know, cite Hebrews and say, you, That's right. you're in danger of, uh, or, you know, shipwrecked wreck of yeah. the faith, right? Um, right. So I think about that because, uh, Scott, you mentioned you pulled out the first fruits and talked about how our justification, our regeneration is a taste. And I just think about the times when, um, you know, like we're baking cookies and you get just a little taste, but you can't wait to dive into the whole thing. And it reminds me of all of the times that people will uh, have a highlight celebrated moment of salvation and, and even baptism if they're older and whatnot. And, and it feels so great. And then they want more. And if, and if we're not serving the cookies, so to speak, if we're not bringing the full meal, then what they do is they say, well, I guess I never had it. I need to do it again. And they're trying to eat crumbs from the table that the Lord's laid out pretty bountifully. And so mm. it's almost, mm. you can, I have sensed it in my own heart that I've tasted something beautiful and I want more. And if I don't know that there's more then I'm going to be left pretty unsatisfied. Mm. And, and you can be, you know, I mean, and I think most of us in our Christian walks are sometimes, you know, tempted to despair that maybe there's not actual cookies. Right. I mean, yeah. but, mm. but, that's the promise, you know. I mean, I, uh, there's a passage in in Second Corinthians where it talks about you know cleanse yourself from every defilement, spirit and body, you know, and make holiness perfect. Like, I mean, this is a present thing we're supposed to be doing and striving after. I mean, Paul says too. I mean, not that I've already been made perfect, but I strive. strive. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, this is a there's there is actually a goal in this life toward which we are mm. in Christ striving toward. So if I'm hearing you right, we're not just striving for heaven. We're actually striving. Yeah, we're striving for now, like right. this life. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. All right. So, I, I'm striving for cookies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's I mean, the problem. We're recording. You guys, you guys got me hungry I in the afternoon. Saying, so. This so. is that part of the flesh. Yeah, yeah that might bad. be my bad. We I'm might gonna have put on the, the new self. Oh, I'm going to take off the old and put on the new. But, but man, yeah, don't do it um, on camera. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is an audio podcast. Thank the Lord. Yeah, but I'm still watching. Um, <laughs> oh, Jeffrey Tubin incident. Yeah. That's right. No YouTubing. Um, so Brett, I want to throw a curve at you before we pick up in Romans six. I just want to think about why in the world is Wesley crossing out this phrase more and more. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. I think as I don't, cause all through Romans, we get there. Um, but Paul says one, what I, I'm sorry, the catechism says, what I like about this first off is it's the work of God's grace where we, re, where we are renewed after the image of God. And the catechism says, and we're enabled more and more to die to sin. But Wesley changed it to read, we are enabled to die to sin. Mm. And so why in the world would he cross that out? Well, 
It's interesting. McDonald, who writes the commentary for this um, in uh, Seedbed's version of um, of the shorter catechism of, of Wesley's revision of it, um, it's interesting. He he pulls no punches for that more and more uh, of the of the um, of the divines of the Westminster divines of adding that. He says that by adding quote by adding the words more and more, we take away the meaning of scripture. No. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, he uh, McDonald was not was not being too graceful, at least in that comment to the divines themselves, uh, for for doing that. Um, and he had been using Wesley or going through Wesley's understanding of sanctification as something that we can achieve, in which uh, uh, something uh, that can be achieved in us with our participation. Or maybe? I would want to add, it is something that we can receive, receive, ah. receive, receive. Mm, that's yeah. a good word. <laughs> yeah. I think there's I, yeah. the means by which it, 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 sanctification is just, it's by grace. It's by the love of God. It's right. not our work, you know, that is, as it were. So isn't Wesley trying to fight the idea that, that there's this, there's a line of thinking that says that there's this dormant sin that's just, just kind of stays there in our lives, even through, even after our sal- salvation conversion experience. Um, and, and that's, and he's sort of fighting that with removing the more, uh, the more and more and, and focusing on, we are enabled to die to sin. Um, because, you know, McDonald talks about how the, the scriptures really talk about this whole completely blotting out sin, just comp- wasting away, getting, I mean, it is destroyed, it is gone. Um, and, and so Wesley's sort of, fighting against that, the idea that there's this this little bit of sin that just keeps dormant over time. Well, it's like this this idea that there's somehow like this, you know, exponential perhaps curve that toward which we are, you know, getting holier and holier, but we're never going to cross whatever line it is. Right. right. We're just going to get, you can get a proc, you get closer and closer and closer, but you're never going to get there. And I think what Wesley's trying to do is is just say, no, there is actually a goal in this life for us to actually love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus says you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, he's not saying you have to die and go to heaven. Well, everybody knows that, right? That's not that's not right. what, what he's talking about. So Whatever perfection is, and 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 the Greek word there has is related to the word telos, which means a goal. Right? There is actually a goal for those of us who are still living in in un you know resurrected bodies. So we still got those issues with you know to deal with, and we still got all this the physical stuff. But there's something about our affections, what we desire and what we love, that can be fully impacted by the love of God. Which is a gift, right? So, right. Well, and I, and I want to I want to say thank you for that correction on the difference between achieve and receive because you're you're absolutely right. I mean, achieving something is a it puts the onus on me, whereas receiving it, sanctification is it's a it's grace. It's a gift. It's a it's it's as as salvation is a, is by you know by grace through faith. 
sanctification, the same thing. In fact, McDonald would say, by faith, therefore, Christians are to be united with Christ by the likeness of his death and reckon unto, um, reckon unto themselves to be dead unto sin and be alive unto uh, God in him. Romans 5 is what he's using, by faith. I mean, that's the, that's the key here, that if we try to achieve sanctification or perfection or whatever the term is we want to use for this uh, on our own merits, we're going to fail and it's going to be, um, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. But if we realize that this is a, this is a gift, a grace of faith, this is, um, that's important. So receiving is um, an important yeah. word there. And because it's because the, the reality is we do not have the power within ourselves to achieve any of it. Uh, of course, and, 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 and because not. the power, God is the one with the power to do it. And right. quite honestly, um, it's, doesn't seem it seems easier to receive a gift than to achieve a thing but uh it would seem it would seem that the opposite is true when it comes to anything of faith anything that god wants to give it seems harder uh to receive it than to achieve it scott what are you thinking i I was trying to think about where the verse is that paul talks about you know do not yield your members to something but yield you know, it's about yielding is what I was mm-hmm. trying to think about that. There's, yes. and I guess I, I guess I have access to Google so I could find out, but, <laughs> <laughs> but let's, riff off, let's riff off the world word yielding. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but the, the, the point is, is that, that, that there's a, like, we think that, that this is about that sanctification is somehow about, you know, us doing a work, but it's actually about learning to yield to the, mm-hmm. the love of God that has already been implanted in us, right? Mm-hmm. And our temptation is we get scared and we, you know, go back to our household gods and we, we think, okay, I got to take care of myself, which is exactly the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exactly the wrong answer. And then we, we, we mess it up, right? Yeah. Well, let's continue this with Ephesians, and we're going to look, I'm not Ephesians, other one, Romans, Romans 6, and um, I'm, it's uh, two verses here. It's uh, verses uh, 4 and verses 6, but I am just going to read that little paragraph there, uh, starting at verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And I love the completeness, again, of this, right? Uh, a, a new self, a new body, a new newness, but that last bit uh, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Well, and I like what Roman, the next verse, uh, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Yeah. Um, mm. And, you know, so we have with the freedom not to sin. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, sanctification. Mm. You know, what's interesting is we, in the discussion we've been having so far, one of the questions that come up before we even define what sanctification is, and we'll get to that in just a second. I think one of the big things that comes up is, is it possible? Is, is this, is even what we are talking about 
possible. But so if you believe sanctification to be, and let me just go back on these different words. If sanctification is something to be achieved, let me just use that word, something that we do, right, in order to achieve it, then it's not possible. But if it's something to be received, then especially from the God of the universe, the God of all creation, uh, then isn't it completely possible? I mean, Wesley himself would list four basic beliefs about the possibility of sanctification. And I get this from a book that um, has just come out um, called Perfect Love, Recovering Entire Sanctification, The Lost Power of the Methodist Movement by Kevin Watson. Um, You can find it on Seabed, on Amazon, anywhere you get books. Great book so far. I'm about three quarters of the way through it and have been really, really blessed by what I've been reading. But uh, Kevin Watson brings out these four basic beliefs that Wesley would have when it comes to the possibility of sanctification. And that is, one, God has promised it in Scripture. Two, what God promises, God is able to do. Three, God is able and willing to do it now. Four, God actually does this. So is sanctification possible? Well, Wesley would certainly believe, yes, it is, because with God, all things are possible. And in Romans 6, Paul seems to think it's possible, too. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, isn't so, it ironic that the, the divines would, uh, the catechism itself would bring out Romans 6 and then uh, contradict it almost by saying it can't be as complete as Romans 6 talks about. It just makes us more and more out of the power of sin. So that, that's, a, that's a great question or comment there, Jim. And, and Scott, you might be more able to answer this question is, so the Westminster Catechism comes out of a time when I believe that it was a pietistic movement within England, right? Well, actually, no, the Westminster Catechism is a sort of, is the, is the Presbyterian Puritan. Yeah, Puritan, Puritan, yeah. Uh, and that, that included, a, Puritanism covered a multitude of sins, as it were. I mean, <laughs> pietistic Puritans, but there were other kinds of Puritans, too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it comes out of, you know, time, Civil War period in England. It's yeah. A, 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 um, so would this would that more and more be in there because of a more Calvinistic bent, or would it be in there because of Yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's, I mean the Westminster Catechism is the is the so in the in the English Civil War, of course, you have the 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 crown, which is the more high church Anglican, Arminian influenced side of the Anglican tradition against the Puritan, and in this case, Presbyterian, and uh, the Westminster Catechism is an attempt to get the Scots to come in on the side of Parliament, which Ooh. is the Puritan side, uh, with the promise that once uh, once they have victory over the crown, they will instill, install a, a, a biblical form of government, which they then lay out happens to also reflect Scottish uh, Presbyterianism, so it, you know it's it's there's a little bit of politics that goes on, but that's Imagine. not folks are are not like sincere and and genuinely. Um, I mean, and to be fair, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I, I, most of us have seen very few people who actually are you know walking completely by faith and not by sight. Yeah. So, so, you know, and especially if you're in the midst of a civil war, where yeah. 
Christians are killing each other, right? Yeah. Uh, that that. Uh, but that's not what Paul says, right? I mean, that, I mean that, and that's actually it's in. I just opened it to Romans six, and of course, that's where that whole yielded thing comes. Where in, in verse uh, fifteen and sixteen, he says, "What then are are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace?" By no means. Do you not know that if you yield yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either to sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So once we are, you know, once we have the spirit of adoption, we have the possibility of, because we we have received the Holy Spirit, we have the possibility of yielding in any given moment, not to the flesh, but to obedience, to yielding to to love, ultimately leading yielding to to love, and and that's the that's that's the training that we go through. You know that that Hebrews talks about being trained by practice. Hebrews five trained by practice uh, to discern good and evil. Right. I mean, with the ultimate goal to go on to perfection. Right. So, well, so do you, do you guys think that because we don't see so many, uh, we don't have a lot of examples of people who walk by faith, uh, who who walk in sort of complete sanctification and, and sort of um, as much as Jesus as we could possibly imagine that we just, is that why we just don't think it's possible? I mean, is it, is, is that the excuse that we, you know, um, because I think we've, I think in many circles we've just given up. Um, is it just because it's, it seems like such an impossible thing? Well, interestingly enough, and there that Kevin Watson would say in the, this book that a large reason behind it is it's not being proclaimed, it's not being taught, it's not being preached, and he he makes a compelling point that in especially especially modern evangelicalism. Uh, that it, it's just been forgotten. And if it's not being preached, it's not going to be pursued. And if it's not being pursued, when I say pursued, you know, you're not going sure. to put the band meetings together or the, the societies. You're not going to be holding each other accountable. You're not going to be doing the things that are important to do for the grace of God to break through and to do, you know, to, I mean, these, there are, if it's not being proclaimed, it's like, uh, Watson would say it's like proclaiming the gospel, right? Like if you're not proclaiming the gospel, how are people going to come to come to faith so, uh, in Christ? So um, he 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 puts a <laughs> he puts a big it seems in this book anyway he puts a big onus of why we're not seeing it on the the on preaching and teaching ministry. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, I think I think I mean you see people who were pursuing sanctification, especially in like. Wesley's day in second eighteenth nineteenth century, where you know people are genuinely receiving like D.L. Moody, an endowment of power after some, I think it's free Methodist women come and lay hands on him and, and pray that he would receive uh, 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 the gift of of sanctification. I mean, you, you we assume it can't happen that there that there is that all there is is a kind of taste of the kingdom and then a living a life of frustration <laughs> <laughs> until we die and right. then, 
somehow you know we don't we, we don't need to be presented uh, holy and blameless. We'll just get to be holy and blameless when Jesus comes again, right? Mm. But there's not this, and I, you know, if we're not expecting it and we're not longing for it, and I think the frustration is actually part of the 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 desperateness that you that you come to, where you actually. You know, as you examine yourself and you examine the depth of inbred sin and you come to realize how desperately you need Jesus, right? It's not a kind of, you know, I, I signed my name at the bottom of the sinner's prayer, so I'm good. No, I, I actually can see that I need Jesus for every thought that I can think, one good thought, right? Yeah. So it is, you know, I guess the idea that you, you, you don't get what you don't ask for. Um, and you know, if we're not, if we're not, uh, asking for it, longing for it, we're not going to receive it. Um, and, uh, we've, so we've got to, we've got to want it. And, and I guess if we, in order to want it, we gotta, we gotta know that it's available. Yeah. Um, it goes back to preaching and teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot that gets in the way of that though. Scott isn't there. Um, when we get frustrated spiritually, I mean, I'm, I can mistake that for frustration with other things. And I'm just trying to think of this really personally, because maybe somebody, somebody who's listening doesn't quite, maybe would resonate. Um, I have a lot of things that I can do to mask my frustrations or to medicate them, you know, with, I can put in a few more hours. I can, I can personally, as a preacher, I can try to preach a little louder, make a few more people uh, <laughs> shake my hand at the end of the service. Uh, there's a lot of things that we can do. And we, but we an don't acute anecdote. Say so, that. Yeah. An acute anecdote. So they're sort of, you know, they, they, they've entertained and entertained. entertained. Yeah. Yeah. And so while uh, it's, I, I agree, I agree in, much part with Kevin Watson, but I've got Scott Kisker on the air today. He said, um, preaching, but you were talking about examples of people and seeking it personally. What are some of the things that, because if it's so impossible that sanctification was something to be sought after in faith, then, then it wouldn't have cared. The Methodist movement wouldn't have carried on very long. So what, what was it that people were experiencing in those days that kept it alive you know i i mean it's hard for me to talk about but i can from personal experience because i don't i don't know that i myself uh i i do say with paul not that i have been perfected um mm-hmm. uh uh but what what i you know i read about t- the testimonies and and you know it it is a a, a profound awareness of the love of god such that is almost physical in its experience in a similar way to to regeneration or 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 the experience of justification whereby we just know the love of god at a at a deeper level and of course part part of that is actually coming to the awareness of your need for, for more right you have to want to not just live a life of frustration with you know going back and forth between 
you know re the repentance of believers and 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 struggling with the flesh but um you know and there's a gradual part of this prior to it but there's something as it's described that is like a real change yeah you know there there's it's like you know at, at, ice is ice you know up to 32 degrees and then it's water right so there's something that has been changing gradually as as the temperature rises but at a certain point that same thing becomes something else and i you know the same you know if you think about that as 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 the new birth uh and and an awareness that god has called you a child and forgiven you then there's something else that gradually increases until you get to become steam oh, right man. that's not to say you can't become water again and you can't become ice again right i mean that's always the danger but 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 you actually begin to live like a life of love where you love the lord your god with your heart soul mind and strength and you actually love your neighbor as yourself right i mean like what's the the the, the prayer for purity in the uh in the liturgy um almighty god to you all hearts are open all desires known from you no secrets are hid cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your holy spirit that we may perfectly love you oh. and worthily magnify your holy name mm. you think about the prayer of confession where it talks about being freed for joyful obedience you know it's not obedience like you're a dog staying in the backyard because you're on a chain right that's not you know <laughs> not that we're dogs or anything but you know it's not <laughs> playing with the master right i mean you're just enjoying the presence of the master and you don't want to leave the backyard because the master's not there you want to hang out with the master right so i mean you know uh, you want to you want to you want to be transformed not you know by restriction because the law has never made anyone perfect right as yeah. the bible says somewhere um probably hebrews i don't remember <laughs> i think right uh, here in romans actually is it in romans yeah you yeah. know it's it's somebody it's in the bible i'm a historian what do i know right? <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> uh, but 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 you want it you want to like just want to be with and this is that whole john thing about abiding right yes. as soon as we stop abiding we're going to fall as soon as we lose faith which is the assurance of what we hope for the certainty of the what we do not see as soon as we take our eye off jesus the author and what perfecter Perfect. of our faith we're not going to get there right mm. we're going to stop running the race that is before us so yeah and and the danger is of course you you get frustrated with your own lack of i mean this is i'm just talking to like real people including myself right and we give up and we just say okay this is all there is i keep my sin within some sort of socially respectable <laughs> area which of course society seems to drift further and further down the road to yeah. what's acceptable uh and and i you know uh just wait to die yeah is, is that is that the life is that the new creation is that the life jesus is calling to us here now i and that's I even a frustration i think for people who are <laughs> toying or have had experience with the church is that all you're trying to do is to get me to be acceptable to you I, and if that's all we're for I mean, just listening to even your descriptions, I mean, it stirs something in me that I just, I want the cookies, Scott, make me some cookies. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I want to ask you about this because you have uh, spent some time studying and writing about the band meeting. And 
the way that I understand things and my, my experience is that that is a, that is a growth accelerator. And I wanted to see, how does that relate in your, how would you say that that relates to sanctification and receiving this gift of God? Yeah. So we, we think about a lot of times we think about the process of sanctification as, as kind of, I don't know if you know that old kid's song that I think is terrible, but like climb, climb up sunshine mountain, heavenly breezes blow. Like, like we're just like every day and every way we're getting better and better. But, but if you look at the practices of Methodism and you look at the way in which one pursued, one didn't pursue it by just like, you know, getting stronger and stronger. And like, I'm conquering, you actually did it through self-examination and through a life of transparency, right? Mm -hmm. So you became more and more aware of of where you need Jesus or how broken you really are, right? And 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 like you started walking in the light, right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, uh how does that go? We walk in the light as he is in the light. I just got that. Fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It's this process whereby we, uh, we become aware of ourselves and our own need for Jesus in a way that's even bigger than when we first believed. And we allow the grace of God actually to touch us there in those very dark and wounded places of our own hearts. And that's where healing can begin. And, and we have fellowship. We have genuine fellowship with people who know us. And despite how messed up we human beings are, they love us. And, and because they love us, we can actually believe that God might love us too. That's one of the most powerful things about the church and why, why I just, we can't really do this alone is because, I mean, it's like, Scott, sometimes somebody's going to need you to stand right in front of them and then tell them the truth with skin on eye to eye, breathing the same air. Uh, that's an incarnational thing. That's a holy Christian concept. Yeah. Well, and like, you know, I can convince myself that I'm okay. Yeah. You know, if it's just me, myself, and I, I can convince myself that, you know, my sin's not that bad um, and that I could keep going. That I can. That is that other person over there? Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, what, what I, you know, so, so Kevin does a really good job because, of course, you guys wrote that book together. Um, but in this new book, he, he ties the idea and the teaching of sanctification with the practice of the band meeting. And um, what I love about it, it, it reiterates, reinforces the aspect that we can't do this on our own. We, you know, we talked about earlier that we can't become sanctified um, in our own power. That it is God's grace that does it. Well, the the that's reinforced through the band meeting that we need each other. I can't do this by myself. I need other people um, holding me accountable. And for those of you who aren't, um, you're not familiar, the band meeting is. Um, as a as a small group, very small group, ideally two to three, maybe four um, people who who hold you accountable, um, who uh, you confess your sins, you pray for one another. Um, it is uh, it is a very intimate uh, group, um, and so it's this idea that they're, that you're you're banding together, you're holding each other accountable, um, and and through that you grow in sanctification. Um, and so I, I think those two, the whole idea of teaching um, and preaching on sanctification and then the practice of, of something like the band meeting, uh, that is, those are keys 
to how we we be we become sanctified and how we we bring sanctification sort of the topic the idea back into the church and to the to the body of christ yeah in my in my own band meeting i was just convicted the other week because one of the members of the band meeting uh, a friend of mine rob was just talking about how you know he was convicted he hadn't been praying for sanctification like we're not asking for it right mm. don't ask you're not going to receive right and 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 that convicted me right i mean i we don't we don't we don't preach it we don't seek it in the means of 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 grace through uh confession through through being genuine priests one to another where we represent christ to one another right in 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 love right and we aren't asking for it so then we then we say well then it's not we don't do any of these things so it must not be possible well here's scripture right says it is possible what where is as methodists our agency in all of this hey y'all i'm back <laughs> I wonder where you went. apparently yeah. brett left the building yeah i did uh sorry yeah, party humans i had to hungry for cookies he just went out <laughs> yeah he went and got some cookies <laughs> he got hungry yeah <laughs> I, I think the pot of humans were wondering why the podcast got very interesting all of a sudden <laughs> oh <laughs> I, uh, yeah, well, I was too. I looked around and everything was down here. So we got a little bit of a storm coming through. So I think it knocked us out for a bit. Um, but, uh, man, coming back in, that sounded, uh, the sound that the whole band thing, the, the community, that's, that's absolutely right. And as Alan said, um, Kevin Watson really hits on that as why sanctification is possible why it's even possible. Um, have y'all, did y'all define sanctification while I was out eating cookies? Um, uh, you know, what is it and what is it not? I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> no, just, 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 won't you define it for us, Brent? Well, I was going to say that Wesley in um, uh, the um, Scripture Way of Salvation, that, ser- that famous sermon of his, he he talks about uh, sanctification at, um, and kind of, so he, what is it kind of generally? He says, after talking about justification, he says that, and at the same time that we are justified, yea, in that very moment, sanctification begins. In that instant, we are born again, born from above, born of the Spirit. There is a real as well as a relative change. We've talked about that. We are inwardly, inwardly renewed by the power of God. We feel the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us, producing love to all mankind and more especially to the children of God, expelling the love of the world, the love of pleasure, of ease, of honor, of money, together with pride, anger, self-will, and every other evil temper. In a word, changing the earthly, sensual, devilish mind into the mind which was in Christ. And he will kind of condense that to say that sanctification is love excluding sin. Um, It is a full salvation from all of our sins. Um, so, uh, I, I just, that language, and I love how he says that sanctification is, it, it, it begins, right? It, it's not, uh, it, it doesn't, you're not sanctified and then done. It is a journey, a process, if you will, uh, that continues in, in life. In fact, in, <laughs> um, okay. What now? But it's a process that has a goal. Right? That has a goal. Right. In fact, uh, Wesley will say when asked what is not, you know, what sanctification is not, 
Um, you know, it's not perfect. It's not being perfect in knowledge and free from ignorance. It's not being free from mistakes or free from infirmities, which we need to say, you know. Yes. Um, it's not being free wholly from temptation. And it is not being free from the need of further growth. That, right. that is not sanctification. Um, there yeah, are... Human mind has never... Your, your, your human spirit or soul or whatever has never fully grasped the love of God. Mm. Even if you, you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's... You haven't fully grasped. Yeah. You, you, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. There's always more of God to know and love. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. That's so good. Some would say that sanctification um, is, is having a target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just saying. <laughs> so I, I wonder, uh, I've got a couple of quick questions that would be fun to throw out uh, for Scott and for all of you, because I think that there are various traditions um, try to capture or solve a problem in different ways. Like, for example, um, the idea that one is not yet able to be presented holy and blameless before the Lord very well leads to a post-death purification or purgation a la purgatory. So uh, traditions that do not always emphasize that one can be sanctified in this life uh, will still need to address the theological issue. Well, and uh, I mean, you're you're sort of when you're talking about purgation, you're talking about Roman Catholicism by and large there. Yep. And yet, Roman Catholicism very much has a belief in saints. Yes. Who have been sanctified. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's life whose lives actually and and they have a list of them. Uh, so and all that means is here are some people that the church recognizes have loved God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loved their neighbor as themselves. It doesn't mean that's the entire list of anybody who's ever uh, received that gift, but here's a list of people. It has happened. Yeah. Yes. And so one of them, I was just reading a little bit about St. Therese of Lisieux, who is uh, famous for her little way of following Jesus. And one of the things that strikes me about now, of course, um, I'm not playing Roman Catholic here, but I, I do like to look at what it is that other traditions are offering. Um, and one of the things that their their practice of sainting people, for a better word, is um, these are people, real people, who can show us versus me just teaching you. And so I believe there are saints among us who know this full, deep love and a fully surrendered love of Jesus. And it would be beautiful to lift them up to show the rest of us. So there's, so no matter what, there is that problem, so to speak. Um, there's also a different way in Protestant traditions that talk about um, at the moment of death, right at glorification, uh, all sins are finally purged. Um, so it will be dealt with in one way. So the problem remains. So why could it not be sanctification to finally uh, make sure that sin no longer remains within us. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the, the thing is like at the moment where, where we receive the spirit of adoption, where we know we're forgiven, we suddenly have genuine agency in the world. We don't have to yield to sin because there is 
an alternative, which is the love of God. Wesley says, sin no longer, it remains, but it no longer reigns, which means we're not compelled. We have an option to live into freedom. But how we learn to live into that freedom, right? You know, how we, we, we learn to, you know, not change and start walking by sight, but we actually genuinely walk in the light as he is in the light. And, and as we said before, I mean, that's, that's this being trained, you know, to discern good and evil and to yield ourselves to, to the good, yield ourselves to, and it's not an, like I said, yield. It's, it's uh, learning to abide. How do I, in the midst of, you know, temptation, which I'm also going to escape, if Jesus didn't, I won't, um, how do I learn to abide in the love of God, abide in Christ? I, I know I've been talking about it a lot, and Jim, to your point, what you were saying, but the book that what Kevin Watson put out, he actually lists up several people in there who have ex- had experience, you know, Protestants, Wesleyans, um, who had had, um, he lists up as examples. I mean, several of them, um, to your point, and I, I love, that's one of the things I've liked a lot more, um, it, little brief paragraphs about several of these folks from different Wesleyan traditions and others. Um, uh, that's been good. And I, I agree with you. We, we almost, I, I like that idea to see it, it is possible, right? Like here, here are these people who have who have done that. Yeah, that was a uh, Brett subtle way of saying Jim read the book. Um, <laughs> that was not <laughs> but, read book. What is book? <laughs> but I think I think one thing that I think we're going to get to next question is the the benefits of justification and sanctification. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, um, we sort of talked about this. You talked about, Scott, you talked about joyful obedience. This in the liturgy um, that we can, we can, we can get into. Oh, so when does, when does, when does sanctification happen? When does full sanctification happen? And all that jazz. But um, the process of sanctification is a, is it should be a glorious one. It is, there's, there's so much that we do receive through it um, that we should want it. I mean, it should be, it should be something that we, that we strive for. Um, And like I said, the next question talks about all the benefits that come from uh, justification and sanctification. We get more of God's grace get more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, who couldn't, who couldn't use more? Right. We could use a lot more. We, uh, we, you know, we proclaim Jesus because we believe people need Jesus. Why don't we pro- pro- proclaim sanctification? Because people still need Jesus. Like we, <laughs> like that's, but we need to be like Jesus, right? You know, here's the thing. I mean, we, we talk about needing Jesus, and so often we stop that at like forgiveness. We need His atonement, right? But you know, Jesus is not like the 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 Pharisee who sees the man like lying on the side of the road, right? And you know, feels bad for him, but, you know, wave, you know, does a little crossover and then keeps going. Jesus doesn't just, you know, forgive us for getting us into whatever situation we've got ourselves in and then leave us there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus is the healer, and that's, yeah. the, that's the, we have a Jesus who doesn't just want us to be forgiven for having been broken and broken ourselves, 
he wants to heal us from all our unrighteousness, he heal us from all the things that lead us into these patterns of self-destruction and destruction um, so that we actually shine like he does. Yeah, mm. that's right? a good word. That's a good word. Well, Dr. Kisker, this has been awesome. And we appreciate you coming on and sharing your heart with us and um, adding to this discussion on why the sanctification is important. Is there anything you want to promote? Any books you got coming out or any websites or anything like that uh, that you've got? Well, I want, I want to promote United. You know, mm-hmm. some, anybody listening here who's, who's thinking about um, a call to ministry, I encourage you to check us out. Historic faith, scriptural holiness, uh, renewal of the church by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're about. Uh, you said David Watson is on here. He teaches here. Justice Hunter. I think he's been on this podcast as mm-hmm. well. I'm here, you yeah. know, uh, for better, for worse. Um, <laughs> I wanna, for better. <laughs> for better. Of course. Uh, I want to I recommend United. I, I want to shout out Plain Truth. Uh, Holy Spirit podcast, our podcast as well, the David's and mine and Maggie Olmer's uh, podcast that we put on, um, which you know sometimes has content to it as well. Listen, it's fantastic. One of your early episodes, which made me a fan of yours, I was like, okay, I got to get to know this guy right here. Um, was uh, you said something to the effect of when when are we going to uh, realize that perhaps the enlightenment the enlightenment wasn't all it was meant to be or something like you just busted on the enlightenment period and I was like I like this guy this guy right here yeah <laughs> so and and uh, so and Firebrand magazine if yes. Firebrand uh, what is it Firebrandmag.org, I guess we are yep check that out uh, articles come out every Tuesday. Uh, substantive articles um, for for people who are interested in theology and interested in Wesleyan tradition. And I'd also give a shout out just to the sort of overarching, you know, organization, Spirit and Truth, uh, spiritandtruth.life, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not, not having any, not being Mr. Social Media. I mean, if you, you listen to our podcast at all, you know, I don't even own a cell phone, but not even a, not even a flip phone. So, uh, I'm like the least socially out there person you possibly could know. My mind has been blown. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I remember my friend took me, we were in Boston. A friend took me in and he's like, he told the, he took me into this cell phone store and explained to, you know, said to this, he wanted to, he was trying to, he said, I'll buy you a cell phone. And he, <laughs> the, the person there who worked there that I don't own one and never have. And it was like, I was, it's like, she had just seen, you know, the, Pro-Magnon man had been <laughs> to her, right? Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, Spirit and Truth, which is you know again about the same kind of things that this podcast is about, about uh, equipping the church to think, you know, diligently and solidly about the faith that has been once delivered to the saints. So. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely. And so usually I ask our guests, you know, how can you, how can you be reached on social media or, or whatever, since you don't even have a cell phone. So if you want to send smoke signals to Scott Kisker in Dayton, Ohio. You do email and I actually respond to email. Yes, you do. Absolutely. He actually does. Yeah. stkisker at united.edu. I, I, I will, I will respond back. You know, my middle name is Thomas, so it's not actually St. Kisker. It's... <laughs> <laughs> From now on, I'm going to refer to you as Reverend Dr. St. Kisker. 
would be that would be inaccurate. But um, you, you know, knock your socks off. Uh, um, and since we haven't said it this uh, this time, uh, we'll put all this information, contact it, you know, how all this for United everything in the show notes. The show notes. <laughs> show notes. <laughs> Um, well, it's been awesome having you, Dr. Kisker, and we are so uh, excited to be able to come to you, uh, Potacumans, with this uh, episode of the Potacesis Podcast. The next episode, uh, we will be dealing with question 36 of Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism. What are the benefits that in this life do accompany and flow or flow from justification and sanctification? And that should be fun, and we'll put all these two things, these these two great, great uh, ideas, uh, theological ways of looking at life, uh, looking at salvation uh, together and look at the benefits of them um, in this life. Uh, hit us up on social media. We do have social media. At Potakesis is where you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Questions at Potakesis.com is where you can send us emails. You can even call us on our phone number, which is 404-635-6679. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and join us next time. Tell your friends, tell your family about the Podakesis Podcast. I'm Brett Maddox. That's uh, Alan Kaysen right there. That's uh, Jim Mora right there. That's the great Dr. Scott Kisker right there. And we will talk to y'all later. Have a good one. Bye.